Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 352nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Oh, way to worthy, worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys, getting you ready for the home finale as the final week of the regular season is here Carolina will host Notre Dame on Tuesday night. That game will come your way at 7 p.m., and it'll be senior night for Carolina. Um, and they've got a lot of people that they will uh, they will honor in their own way. And we know for sure this will be the final home game of Armando Baycott's career and very well could be the final home game of R.J. Davis's career. So we'll do what we always do when we get you ready for uh, the matchup will look at a, a red-hot Notre Dame team that, that's beaten uh, quality teams left and right. Look at this game from the Carolina perspective. Talk about what is all on the line for them before we give our keys to the game, pick the game, and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, pod thought of the day. And we go to Roy Williams for today's pod thought. And that thought is, quote, if someone says your name and it makes someone else smile, that's a good legacy to leave. Um, We've spent all year talking about legacy and wanting to have a positive one for Armando Baycott, wanting to have a positive one for R.J. Davis. Um, And a lot of it depends on what they do um, because up until now they're – their time at Carolina, very complex um, because there was some good, some bad, and some ugly. But what they've done this year has made it so much easier to think about them and remember them in a positive way. And I, for one, can say that whenever I hear someone else talk about R.J. Davis, I myself smile. 
He's my he's my favorite player on this team. Um, he's worked himself in, inside the top five of my all-time favorite players at Carolina. Um, and, and selfishly, like, I want to win a national championship. I, I want to get back to the Final Four. I also don't want to quit watching R.J. Davis play basketball at the University of North Carolina. And so it, 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 it's a weird place to be in. Um, we're going to be – we're going to be in the Smith Center on Tuesday night. Um, you know, I we, we kind of made it of a point to, to go see these guys, especially with this being Armando's for sure last home game and very well could be R.J. Davis's last home game. We made it a point to where uh, we were going to go watch them play. Um, and I kind of told you, Anthony, when we were uh, driving back from the game on Saturday, which we were up in Chapel Hill for, don't, don't judge me um, if you see me get emotional. Because uh, it was it was hard saying goodbye to Marcus Page, it was hard saying goodbye to Joel Berry and Theo Pinson, and I know for myself it's going to be hard if this is goodbye for R.J. Davis, knowing that you know he may never play a home game again at at at, at Carolina. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing that's going to be weird is that it's not going to be traditional. Um, in terms of how they would honor him, because they have no idea. They don't, they don't know for sure if this is going to be the last time that we're going to see him or if uh, he is going to be here next year. So it's one of those situations where you kind of just have to take it in as if you believe this will be his last game. I don't think it's nearly as, as sure of a thing as you know some of the others that we've experienced maybe in past years, mostly on the football side of things with guys like – Drake May and Sam Howell, where you kind of knew going into the final games that they were playing at home. This is this is it. We're not going to see them, I, even though they are, uh, you know, still guys with eligibility. With R.J. Davis, it really all does kind of depend on what kind of run Carolina makes in the NCAA tournament. Um, because look, if they, if they win a national championship, yeah, I, I, I know his NBA draft stock isn't the highest. Um, I'm a guy that still thinks that because of the way that he can create his own scoring, that he should get a chance, uh, even though he is a little bit undersized at the NBA level. But um, he, he is, you know, far from a, a sure NBA draft prospect. So yeah, if they win a, if they win a national title, then we're probably having the conversation of him not being back. Um, but you know, I think there there is a good chance that. Uh, any result outside of that, and he could be back next year, which would mean that we're making this trip again next season, uh, this time probably to our first game uh, that we've seen against Duke for what would be his senior night. So uh, I, I think, you know, it's it's going to be weird in, in that respect, but at the same time, there will be that knowledge of this is the final home game for uh, Cormac Ryan, we, we know that, uh, a guy that's brought a lot of fire to this team, but most importantly for Armando Baycott. And, you know, again, w- when you look at some of the guys that Carolina has had in these last, you know, four or five years, uh, there are some complex legacies. And, you know, with Armando Baycott, it's one that shouldn't be, but it's one that for some Tar Heel fans is. Um, they, you know, there, there are a lot of people that, you know, when it comes to Armando, uh, they feel like there probably should have been more production from him, especially in the last two years. But um, th- this is going to be a guy that's going to go down as one of the greatest 
big men in the history of Carolina basketball, put together one of the greatest seasons of any big men uh, in program history back in 2021-22 and nearly led this team to a national title. So I, I think, you know, it's going to be one of those uh, th- those things that, you know, Toriel fans hopefully – will rally around him, even though it hasn't been nearly as great of a season as many thought it could be. Um, and it, it'll be a great way to hopefully send him off uh, against a Notre Dame team that uh, certainly is playing a lot better than we thought they probably would just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, when it comes to Armando, um, like if you can't appreciate what he do- what he's done for this team, the program, the university – um, you just you you just don't understand what what family and what love is all about because at every turn, whether he's played at a high level or he's fell short, um, he's always tried to do what's best not for himself, but for the University of North Carolina and for a guy to. I mean, it's in the intro of our podcast. This guy said he's willing to die for this university. That's how much it means to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll always have a, a you know a a, a a a soft space in my heart um, because Abe never heard that before, and B, um, not that I want to put it to the test, but I I I, I do believe him. Um, I don't think he was just caught up in the moment. You know, I think this is a guy that is a Tar Heel in the truest form. Um, it's why he came back after what happened last year because he didn't want to be remembered for being a loser. He didn't want to be remembered for being a part of arguably the biggest uh, letdown team in the history of the program. And so um, while, yes, we're rooting for this as a collective unit, like there is an individual aspect where you want to see certain guys go out the right way. We certainly feel that way about RJ, about Armando, and even Cormac Ryan. Um, and along with the other graduates that will be honored in their own unique way on Tuesday night. You're looking at the the game against Notre Dame. Um, you know, the, the Fighting Irish are 12 and 17. It's nothing to brag about, but they are 7 and 11 in the ACC, and they've won five of their last six, with two of those wins coming against Clemson and Wake Forest, two teams that are playing for their NCAA tournament lives. Um, and Notre Dame has, you know, been playing spoiler pretty much since about the middle of December. Um, after you lose by 20 at home to the Citadel, and your head coach literally tells the media that he's willing to go to compliance to help players transfer, that's kind of where where Notre Dame basketball was in the middle of December. Um, but Micah Shrewsbury is a fantastic head coach, he, and he's proven that in the last six games. Um, you know, you don't take Penn State basketball to the NCAA tournament by accident. You're talking about a Big Ten school that in a football-crazed conference like the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Michigan States, the Wisconsins, those schools that are annually pretty good in, in football also care about basketball. That's not the same for Penn State, and he took them to the NCAA tournament. Um, a big reason why they've played well as of late has been the play of Marcus Burton, um, who is as good, uh, you know, who like I said, it's about DJ Horn. And I'll say it about Marcus Burton is as good a guard in the country that no one knows about because he plays on a bad team. He is one of their two double digit scores. He leads them at scoring at 17.3 points per game. He averages 3.3 rebounds, 4.3 assists. He's shooting 42% from the field and 30% from three. And the other guy to average double figures is Braden Shrewsbury, um, who's averaging 10 points, two and a half rebounds, 0.8 assists. 
He's shooting 39% from the field, but 38% from three. With them only having two guys averaging double-figure scoring, um, you would you would believe that they have a hard time scoring, and you'd be correct. They average just 63.6 points per game. That's 353rd in all of college basketball. But, you know, when you, you, you look at this from, uh, you know, a 30,000-feet a, a view, this is a game that Carolina should win and should win comfortably, but – the last six games have, you know, reason to believe that Notre Dame is going to show up. They're going to compete, and like they did against Clemson, like they did against Wake Forest, they'll be looking to play the role of spoiler because if Carolina wins on Tuesday, they wrap up at least a share of the ACC title going into the Duke game next Saturday where if they win that game, they outright win the ACC but if Carolina were to lose, they could find themselves um, not even winning an ACC regular season title. And Notre Dame is aware of that, and they'll be looking to come into Chapel Hill, a place where they have played at a high level before. They've won before, and they'll be looking to get the get, get a third consecutive upset over a team that's uh, you know got bigger things coming in March. Yeah, I mean, you look at the last six games that they've played, and I mean, the first three, I think a lot of people were kind of wondering. I mean, you get Virginia Tech at home, and you and you beat Georgia Tech at home, and then you go on the road and beat a Louisville team that you know we we know for sure at this point is worse than Notre Dame. But you look at the last three games, and that's where things have really started to. Uh, you know, come together for this Notre Dame team. And they're starting to look like the type of team that, you know, or really just the type of program that in the future Micah Shrewsbury is going to be able to build back into a consistent contender in the ACC. You mentioned the two wins. Now, granted, both of those wins have come at home over Wake Forest and Clemson, but they went on the road to Syracuse, a team that still feels like in their mind if they find a way to – uh, win out and maybe, you know, I don't know if they need to win the ACC tournament, but if they can maybe get to the ACC tournament final, they could maybe make the NCAA tournament. I mean, they gave them all they could handle in the JMA Wireless Dome uh, last Saturday. So, I mean, yeah, this this is a Notre Dame team that I think at this point of the year, they're not really playing for a whole lot, but you've got, as you mentioned, you know, a guy in Marcus Burton who's playing extremely well, has been for most of the season, but he's only a freshman. And, look, he might be a guy that ends up looking and uh, looking towards the NBA, but another guy that's a pretty small guard. So he's probably going to be back next year. Same thing with Braden Shrewsbury. Two guys, so two guards that I think, you know, they're going to be building around for the next few years with both of those guys being freshmen. And the other thing that's going to be interesting to see in this game is that this is one of the best defensive teams that Carolina has played all year. Um, probably outside of Virginia, there's no one better. I mean, this Notre Dame team is allowing 65.4 points per game, and that's the thing. Even in some of the games that they've played throughout the year, it's very rare that this team has gotten blown out in conference play. A lot of their games are relatively close. The fact of the matter is they're just not a team that can score the ball all that well. So for Carolina, I think the biggest thing that they're going to have to focus on in this game is can they find a way to solve what Notre Dame is going to throw at them defensively because, look, it, you 
but from about midseason on, you could question whether or not Notre Dame would have the motivation. They've shown you here down the stretch in this final month of the season that they do have the motivation to try to build themselves up for next year and the years to come. And Carolina's got to be prepared for that. Yep. And I think, you know, we, we, we expected Carolina to come out um, with a sense of urgency on, on Saturday. That didn't happen. Um, and luckily they were able to, to overcome it. Um, but, you know, it is like it is March. And, and you know, we don't want to try to beat a dead horse here. But this is a time of year where you need to start playing your best basketball. Um, and after what Carolina did on Saturday, that, you know, they they're, they're, they're not playing there yet. This is a chance to, to get, you know, taking that step in that right direction, build off of what they did in that second half on Saturday, try to translate, translate into a full 40 minutes um, as they try to wrap up at least a share of an ACC regular season title. Look at this game from the Carolina perspective, 23-6. and six. Um, They're 15-3 and three in the ACC. They got a one-game lead over Duke um, for the ACC regular season race. Uh, at home, Carolina is 13-1. and one. That lone loss did come to Clemson after the Duke game back in early February. We're recording on Sunday night, so no new AP poll. Um, Carolina ninth in the AP poll, 10th in the net, and they're ninth in Ken Palm. Um, you know, Carolina has four players averaging double-figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis, and it's 21.4 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, 3.4 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 41% from three. Armando Baycott, second on the team in scoring at 14 points per game, 10.3 rebounds. He's averaging 1.6 assists, all while shooting 55% from the field. Harrison Ingram is coming off his best game of the season from a scoring uh, total, 12.5 points per game, 9.1 rebounds, 2.1 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field, 40% from three. And Cormac Ryan, the last guy to average double-figure scoring, 10.7 points, 2.9 rebounds, 1.4 assists. He's shooting 36% from the field uh, and 32% from three. Um, and Carolina is averaging making 17.9 free throws per game. They're back in inside the top 10. They're, that's 10th in, in, in the country. They're average attempting 23.7 free throws per game. That is 17th most in the country. And Carolina, we've talked about the rebounding team that they've become. They average 40.8 rebounds per game. That is eighth most in all of college basketball. Before we take a break and, and get to our discussion topics and our keys to the game on the other side, I, I did want to talk about um, the ACC regular season title because, as I mentioned, with the win, Carolina – uh, you know, locks up at least a share of the ACC regular season championship, something that they haven't um, achieved since 2019 when they shared it with Virginia. They haven't won an outright conference title um, since 2017. And, of course, we know that team would go on to win a national championship. You know, Hubert talked about going into the state game that, you know, they were a desperate team because – um, they're, they're, they're playing for something just like state, you know, was trying to play to maybe salvage their season and then work themselves onto the NCAA tournament bubble. How much do you think, um, this will be mentioned going into the game? Because, um, you know, Hubert made it known going into, it was either the Virginia or the Virginia tech game that it means something. 
and it's something that they value. They value it more than winning a, 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 a ACC tournament, which will take place, um, and you know, it, it, starting in a week and a half. So, do you think that the coaching staff um, makes this a point of emphasis to realize if you if you win this game, you 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 know, you achieve at least one of your regular season goals, or is this something that is put onto the back burner? back burner and isn't mentioned until you at least accomplish it after you potentially win the game on Tuesday? I mean, I wouldn't really mention it because my focus would not be on that. My focus would be on the fact that we're getting prepared for the second Duke game and we remember what happened the last time that we played a midweek game the week of the Duke game. Um, that, that would be where all my focus is with this team is don't get caught again. Don't use the excuse again of we were looking ahead because it happened the first time and we saw what happened after that Duke game, even with how well you played. Um, so we can't let this be something that beats us in multiple ways again this time around. We've got to come prepared for this game. Um, this is, you know, our, our final home game of the regular season, the final chance to play in front of our home crowd. Uh, so we, we got to bring, you know, the, the emotion that we brought to certain other games this year uh, out of the gate, especially in, in the Smith Center, um, in, in order to get out to an early lead against a team that's going to be fighting, that's that's wanting to uh, prove that they they can continue to pull upset after upset against tournament teams. And I think that's got to be the main focus of the coaching staff. Yeah, it's something that they're probably going to have in the back of their heads because they have probably seen it on social media or they're just doing the math in their own head and it's gotten to this point of the season. But I don't really think that that's going to be a huge focus for Hubert Davis and his staff. I mean, I know it's a goal for them coming into the season, but I think that's one that, you know, everybody's kind of aware of. It, to me, it's it's trying to keep the focus off of that and really just make sure that you're locked in and ready to go for this game and that you don't get caught up in a second straight time where you play on a Tuesday night, the week of the Duke game, uh, against an opponent that in – many respects you feel like you should probably be able to roll the ball out against and win but we know that is not the case even in the down ACC that everybody nationally tries to tell us that we're dealing with this year yeah I mean also like it's it's senior night and so there's gonna be just a different level of emotion for the players and then you know there'll be a different energy a different vibe in the arena like no it's not senior night against Duke but um, it, it's still going to be a senior night atmosphere. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, it, it'll be rather emotional. You don't want to add any pressure. Like, the pressure is to to make sure you send these guys out with a win. Um, you know, you we, we, we know how, how – you know, we, we lost last year on senior night. We, we lost on Joel Berry and Theo Pinson's. We lost on their senior night. Like, we know how bad of a feeling that is whenever you don't get the job done. And, you know, some of your best players in the history of your program aren't leaving the court with one final win. And so I think this is something that um, will be celebrated and acknowledged after the game. But the first thing Carolina has to do is, of course, win the ball game. We've set the scene. We've told you what you need to know about Notre Dame, uh, updated you on everything regarding Carolina. Uh, but coming up next... We'll give our, our keys to the game and discuss, you know, some of our favorite Armando Baycott 
and R.J. Davis's moments ahead of their senior night, maybe have some fun trying to pick what the starting five might be because Carolina has seven seniors and graduates on the roster this year, so they can't, they can't all be on the court at the same time. But first, before we do any of that, we got to give you a word from one of our partners. Hey there, Josh here for the Autograph Fandom app. Want to get rewarded for listening to our show? The team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady, is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom they take every day, like listening to this show. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and much more. You're already listening to our show, but now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it today for free using the referral code HEELTOUGH. Link and code are also in our podcast description. Welcome back inside the Four Corners Podcast, guys. Hanging out, uh, getting you ready for Carolina Notre Dame. That game will come your way Tuesday night. Uh, at at 7 p.m. on the ACC Network um, as Carolina closes out their home slate um, for the 2023-2024 season. So with it being senior night, historically and traditionally, Carolina starts their seniors. Um, and that even includes the guys that are a part of, you know, the Blue Squad or Blue Steel, whatever that they get called at that specific time. But this year, Carolina is going to have you know some choices to make because they've got a handful of seniors and graduates that, um, for the graduates, this of course is their last ever home game, and for the seniors, this could be their last ever home game. So, um, and, and those guys include Cormac Ryan, R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott, Paxson Wojcik, Creighton Lebo, Rob Landry, Jalen Withers, and Dewey Ferris. Um, those are the guys that are either seniors or graduates. If you had to take a guess, what five do you think Hubert Davis starts on Tuesday night? Oh, man. Um, I, well, I think the first three are, are very obvious that those guys are going to start. They're starters anyways, and I really, you know, to me – Unless RJ was to tell him, like, look, I'm I'm coming back no matter what, I don't see why he would not start him. So yeah, I think that one th- those are those are probably the three that are guaranteed to start. But um I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I wonder if there will be something given to the fact of cer- of how long certain guys have been there. Um, I, I will say, you know, a guy like Dewey Ferris not being able to come back, that might weigh into the decision, which would be you know, part of the reason they could play him. Uh, and then you would have to make the decision between either Jalen Withers or Paxson Wojcik. So, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, and I forgot Rob Landry is on there as well. Or no, Rob Landry is a senior. So, yeah, him and Creighton Lebo, I would be pretty shocked if those guys aren't back. Um, since they're not graduates, both guys would have been there during COVID. Uh, I would imagine that they'll probably get an extra year, um, and they'll probably end up sticking around similar to what we saw from Dewey Ferris. So, yeah, I, I mean, again, I think it all depends on what, uh, what Hubert ultimately wants to do. 
in terms of, you know, are you giving credence to how long guys have been there? Because Dewey Ferris would hold the advantage over both Jalen Withers and Paxson Wojcik. But if I had to guess, I would I would say it's probably Cormac, Armando, Jalen Withers, Paxson Wojcik, and R.J. Davis will be your starters. Yeah, um, I actually agree with you. Like, I know it, it's always cool when you see – the guys that 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 are the you know the blue steel reserve from the blue squad when those guys get a chance to start and you know I'm not opposed to seeing a Dewey Ferris or a Rob Landry or a Creighton Lebo play the first minute minute and a half of the game or so because especially like if those guys score a bucket it it just really takes you know the night to a whole new level but I think I think Hubert Davis is going to start his five best seniors and graduates. Um, that's that's what my that's what my heart tells me um, because I think and you know like Hubert would never say this out loud and publicly. The hope is that the game is out of hand to where you could put Ferris, Lebo, Landry in the game mm-hmm. in the final two minutes. Um, that would be kind of the thing where you start with your best five and maybe close with you know, a different five and allow those guys to get their moment. Um, but it's just going to be interesting. It's It's been a while since I could remember Carolina having seven that they had to choose from, but that's the situation that Carolina is faced with now. Uh, and as part of it, when you are the fifth oldest team in college basketball. So, you know, with, with Cormac only being here for a year, Jalen Withers only being here for a year, Paxson Wojcik being, being here for a year, Really just want to hone in on, on Baycott and, and Davis here um, and just kind of talk about maybe our favorite memories uh, of them individually and collectively. Like for RJ, you don't got to go too far back. That 42-point performance he had against Miami a week ago um, is a legendary performance. You know, he set the Smith Center record um, for most points in a game, and, you know, it was, it was some of the best shot-making we've seen from a Carolina guard uh, for me, at least, in, in, in my lifetime. For Baycott, you, you know, you have this year's game against Duke where he put up 25-10-5, the first guy to put up that stat line since Charlie Scott did so, you know, in 1970. I think we're always going to look back at the run he had in the NCAA tournament where he became the first player ever to record six double-doubles in six NCAA tournament games. So whenever you think about Baycott and you think about Del RJ, what games, what moments stick out to you the most? Well, yeah, I mean, with Baycott, like, yeah, the tournament run, really just that season as a whole um, was, I mean, as, as good as it gets. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was a walking double-double. And, yeah, once he got to the NCAA tournament, he was as dominant as anybody um, in the country, and it's a big part of the reason why Carolina was able to make the run to where they got. Yes, Caleb Love hit some big shots, but he was pretty much the main reason that Carolina was where they were at. He ends up getting hurt um, late in that title game, and if he doesn't end up rolling that ankle, who knows what ends up happening if Carolina does end up winning a national championship in that moment. But, you know, for for – him I think you even have to go back earlier and I forget I believe it was his was it his sophomore year or was it his freshman year he rolls his ankle against Ohio State questions wrote wrote an article on this one of the 
most successful articles that we've written on our site um, in terms of just the number of, of views because people were locked in trying to figure out if he would play in the next game. This was a pretty severe ankle roll as well. Um, and really the beginning of, of the issues that he's had with his ankles the entire time that he's been there. Luckily, he's been able to stay relatively healthy each of the past two years with those ankles. Um, but, you know, that was a game where we thought, okay, there's no chance that he's playing in this next game against Virginia. Um, I think I may have said Virginia Tech, or I was thinking it in my head, one of the two. And, you know, we get to that game. He ends up playing and playing a pretty significant amount. You could tell that he was hurt. He was banged up. But at the same time, I mean, for him to be able to gut it out like that really just showed the will for him. And then, yeah, you go to last year, the, the comments that he makes after that game against Ohio State, not to mention the performance that he had against Ohio State, which was pretty phenomenal as well. To do it in the garden um, was you know a whole nother level. And then to have that quote after the game, there's so many different things that you can remember about Armando's time, and I think you're you're you putting the game against Duke in there is perfect. With RJ, I think it really goes back to when you for, when when you first started to realize this this kid's pretty special was the tournament game against Baylor, um, because Carolina does not win that game if he doesn't play the way that he did um, in, in that round of 32 game. Remember that at that time when he really turned it on. Brady Manick had already been ejected from the game. You would have in the midst of him really heating up, um, you know, in that second half, uh, you would see Caleb Love leave the game as well. And yet he stepped up and made big shots for Carolina all throughout the day. And that is where we first saw the goggle celebration. That's where it became really popular. Um, and now, you know, whenever he's going off, we've seen it. But really, you know, you go back to the end of last year, and he started getting in a groove towards the middle part of the season. And he, and I will say it, I've said it so many times this year, and I will keep saying it whenever you bring up R.J. Davis. If he doesn't injure his thumb last year, Carolina ends up making uh, making it into the NCAA tournament because he was just that good in clutch time. And it's carried over to this season. And I think, you know, we've seen multiple 30-point performances from him this year. Uh, and then that, that that performance against Miami was just perfect for him. And I, I would love to see him somehow top that in this game against Notre Dame. I think that would be just the perfect way for his career to finish. But I will take just a really strong performance because what an amazing showing that was um, this this past Monday night against Miami. He, he showed you everything that we know about him, that he is truly one of the best scorers that Carolina has ever had at the guard position. And he showed you again why it's so easy to root for him. So, I mean, there's so many memories for both of those guys, and I'm hoping that the ultimate memory for both is still yet to come. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy in R.J. Davis that's you know, top 10 in scoring at at, at Carolina um, and, you know, could still come back for a fifth year and really vault his way up the record books. And, you know, I think the thing about him and the reason why I, I grew to love him, embrace him, 
is he defined everything about being a New York guard. Like every cliche that comes out from there where they're, they're tough, he's tough. And um, you saw it as a freshman when he was, you know, playing in a, you know, it was tumultuous times. You weren't able to be with your teammates and he never really got to experience, um, you know, the college basketball that he signed up for. He never got to experience you know, even to a certain extent, having the relationship he had with the coach that he committed to in Roy Williams because of the pandemic. And then, you know, his head coach retires and he sticks around. He, he you know, he stays at a time where, every, you know, most kids would have transferred to play for an unproven head coach. Um, and you go back to that tournament run and, yes, you know, Love hit the big three against UCLA. Um, he hit the dagger against Duke. Armando got every rebound in the world, but – Carolina doesn't get where they got to without RJ. He had a double-double in the the first round of the tournament against Marquette. You mentioned the Duke game, where I think for me, like that's or the the Baylor game, that I think for me sealed the deal because uh, at that moment, like he's the guy that you want to go to war with. Um, and you know, I thought after Marcus Page, I'd never feel the way I felt about a player as I got into an adult. And then here came Joel Berry. And I never thought after Joel Berry as an adult I'd feel the way about a player um, the way that I felt about Joel Berry. Had Kobe White stuck around, I mean, Kobe White would have most definitely uh, entered that conversation. But now I find myself, um, you know, not 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 ready to say goodbye to R.J. Davis um, as as a as a guy that. Um, you know, just embodies everything you want a Carolina basketball player to be. Um, and I would love for him to to have a great performance in what very well could be his last home game at Carolina. More than anything, um, I want I want him and Armando Baycott to to get back to the Final Four and experience winning a national championship. Um, you know, yes, because it make it, it definitely. Puts their 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 legacies positively, but um, you know it would just be a great story, and I think they're capable of doing it. Um, hopefully, the basketball gods will allow it to happen um, because you're talking about two all-time great heels, and with with Mondo, like some of it, yeah, he played a fifth year and he um, did pad his stats, but look at what he did last year, where he became Carolina's all-time leading rebounder in his fourth season. Um, you know, it, 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 and so like th- these were guys that were doing that have done historic things in four years, Armando doing them in five. And hopefully, you know, starting of this game against Notre Dame, they're on their way for a fun march that leads them on a deep NCAA tournament run. Let's now get back into why we're here talking about the Notre Dame game, give our keys to the game. Um, the first key I have is to be ready to play and take Notre Dame seriously. Um, just because if, if, if you don't, you run the risk of them hitting you in the mouth, getting confidence and, and making, making your life tougher than it should be. And I, I thought Carolina was going to come out and uh, respond in a big way against NC state from the opening tip. And that did not happen on the defensive end of the court. We had to wait until halftime. Um, for for to see that kind of energy, effort, focus, attention to detail, and hopefully, you know, Hubert Davis will has this, you know, who who's had a pulse of this team all year long, will have this team ready to go and say, don't look at the record, don't look at what they've done, you know, from a conference standpoint, where they're seven eleven overall, 
they are, you know, with, you know, they're, they're playing as good as basketball as virtually any team in the ACC, having won five out of six and two wins over, or with two wins over Wake Forest and Clemson. And so, um, I hope this is not a case where Carolina gets caught sleepwalking. They get caught looking ahead to the Duke game, and I hope they come out, get ready to play against the Notre Dame team that is confident, and they're playing the best basketball they've played all season long. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Nothing nothing else matters. Even the other keys we're going to give you here, nothing else is going to matter if, if they're not – if this key isn't taken care of. They have to take this game seriously because this is a chance for you to lock up a share of the ACC regular season title because, look, nothing is guaranteed. Um, you know, it, it's not as clear-cut as it was earlier in the year where early in the season – Carolina was a, a much better team in a lot of respects than Duke was. Duke is a team that's found themselves here. So Carolina going in, why would you not want to have at least a share of the regular season title, which you have worked so hard for, locked up? Um, and, yeah, this is a Notre Dame team right now that is still playing hard. So they don't care that it's senior night in your building. They don't care that you are the best team in the conference right now. They're going to come ready to play. And for you, you know, this is a chance to prove that you're, you are, you know, going to, going to be able to solve some of those issues that you've had starting games. Once you get uh, into this crucial month. Um, And at the same time, it's going to, give you a chance to show that the last time where you weren't ready for Georgia Tech, that was just the fact that you were on the road and that, yeah, you may have been looking ahead to do. This is a chance to prove that at home you're not going to look ahead to the rivalry matchup. You're going to focus on what's in front of you, which is what great teams do. And uh, I I think this is a team, hopefully, that has learned from the first time, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, a big part of it will be containing Marcus Burton, who averages over 17 points per game. Um, you know, is 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 as good as a, a freshman guard in the conference, as good a freshman guard as there is in college basketball. Carolina allowed DJ Horn uh, to score 16 first half points on Saturday. A state built the eight, the eight point halftime lead, just four points in the second half. So they were able to respond and lock him down. But you know, Burton has been playing at a high level. Um, you don't want him getting confident and getting in rhythm because he can have one of those performances that come back to bite you in the butt. Second key, uh, Carolina's got to force turnovers and they got to get they got to get after it defensively. Notre Dame average is turning it over 13 times per game, um, so they're they're not you know for for them to play limited possessions as they play a slower tempo. It's not like Virginia where they value the basketball and they don't turn it over. Um, they, they're, they're more than capable of doing it. Carolina's defense the other day, even with the energy picked up in the second half and the ball pressure uh, mu- mu- you know, much more heavy, didn't force a lot of turnovers. Um, and it was fine because you were able to get them to rush their shots and, and run off of their misses. But um, you know, I think one thing this defense has to get back to doing is creating easy opportunities in the open court for them offensively. Because when they're doing that, that's when this offense is championship caliber. You know, Hubert said, and we, we read the quote on, on Saturday, that all season long that our defense has fueled our offense. Um, Saturday they fueled it with, with missed shots. You, of course, want that to be there. But I'd like to see Carolina extend their pressure, pick up full court early in the game, 
and force some turnovers and really get this game being played at their level because Notre Dame isn't 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 capable of running with you. They're not going to be comfortable running with you, and um, it would allow you to maybe put some separation between you and an ACC team. Something we haven't said really in the back half of the conference schedule. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's important to create a few turnovers here because this is a young backcourt, as we mentioned. Both Marcus Burton and Braden Shrewsbury are freshmen. Uh, Burton is a guy that you know while he does score at a pretty high level, he averages almost four turnovers a game. So he's an aggressive guard that is willing to take risks, and sometimes that can hurt him. And that's what you got to do in this game because on the other side, my this is a team in Notre Dame that creates uh, a ton of turnovers. They are inside of the top 40 in turnovers created so far this season, and they are going to want to make this game ugly. So for you, you, you have to be able to counter that by forcing them into mistakes of their own. As you said, you know, Carolina, we saw in that second half, they did a good job of defending, uh, you know, NC State to the point where State was having to take shots that, they didn't really love. They did create some turnovers in there, but you know they, it was really missed shots that were the difference. In this game, you, you the reason you'd like to see there be turnovers is even you know NC State. One of the things that they were able to do a few times, the you know throughout this year when Carolina was playing them in both games, they had periods of time where their players would want to get out and run, and they had the horses, especially at the guard spots, to be able to do that. This Notre Dame team does not have that. They are not going to be able to keep up with Carolina if they start to run. That's when Carolina's offense is at its best. So, yeah, creating those turnovers, getting out uh, in the open court, and being able to finish on the fast break, uh, that could be huge for Carolina and a big difference in this game if they're going to pull out the victory. The last key I have is rebounding on paper. Carolina has a plus four advantage over Notre Dame from a you know per game average statistically. The biggest reason for this is because of the tempo. Um, if 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 Notre Dame is limiting you to one shot, they're going to be able to to walk the ball up the court um, and shorten the game because they know that they cannot play in the open court with you. And then conversely, if you allow offensive rebounds. They can reset, shorten the game that way, um, and limit possession. So I think the thing Carolina has to do is they got to get a more of a presence on the offensive glass, get back to creating second chance opportunities. That way they're they're forcing teams to take the ball, you know, out of the basket as opposed to grabbing you know, defensive rebounds and running. But on the flip side, you just got to make sure that your screws are tight on the defensive glass because this will be a Notre Dame team that. Um, you know, it's, it's not like under Mike Bray where if they got an offensive rebound, they were kicking it out, and they were shooting threes. This team shoots 31% as a team from behind the three-point line. That's not their you know, that's not their strong suit. If they get an offensive rebound, they're going to reset and utilize that 20 seconds in an effort to shorten the game and limit possessions. And so um, this has to be a game where Carolina as a team rebounds the ball. They rebounded as a team on Saturday to out-rebound their 17th straight opponent. Um, You know, you want to see Mondo and Ingram establish a presence, but Carolina needs to just make sure they win the rebounding margin because that's how you control tempo, and I think tempo is going to be a big part of 
uh, how this game goes, whether it's a blowout or if it's a close game. Yeah, there's no doubt. This is a team that plays one of the slower paces in the country to try to keep the game low scoring because they're not a good team on the offensive end of the floor. So uh, as we talk about, you know, I think it's got to be a very similar game plan and mindset to the one that you take whenever you play Virginia and those types of teams where you know possessions are going to be limited. So that's why we talked about turnovers. And I said, look, create, you know, you, you put on there creating turnovers is important. I said limiting turnovers on your end is also important. And usually what goes hand in hand with that um, is, you know, being able to rebound well on the defensive end of the floor. Um, you know, even the other day against State, there were times where NC State was able to get to the offensive glass and create these second chance opportunities um, that led to points, especially in that first half. So, you know, for Carolina, I think this is something that at times we've seen throughout the year as teams have been able to crash the offensive glass, create opportunities, and that especially early in games. So I think Carolina's got to have that focus coming out of the gate to rebound at a high level. The good news is, is as we've seen, you know, throughout the majority of the season, Carolina rebounds well late in the game. But you want to set that tone early and really get out to an early lead, you need to rebound because this is a team that's probably going to give you opportunities to be able to rebound the ball. I mean, look, they are 341st overall in in overall field goal percentage. They're 309th in three-point field goal percentage. And two-point field goal percentage, they're just 290th. So none of those areas, they are shooting the ball particularly well. That means there should be plenty of opportunities to get rebounds. And this is a night where you want to see guys like Armando Baycott, Harrison Ingram step up and shine. And you also want to see sort of what we saw the other day against NC State. You want to see the guards get involved. R.J. Davis did a tremendous job, was the team's leading rebounder for the majority of the game. If this can be an all-around effort on the defensive class, it could allow Carolina to get one of those comfortable wins that we've been seeking for a while now down the stretch of the season. Carolina enters with a 96.4% chance to win the game, or 96.2% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's analytics. Who wins the game and why? I think Carolina wins the game. Uh, I, I And look, I... I I have not been good with predicting comfortable wins, so I'm not going to predict a comfortable win. Um, but I think this is a game where Carolina is going to learn a lot from the game against Georgia Tech, that you can't look ahead. This is a game that's at home as well. We've talked about how much better Carolina has been at home than they've been on the road. I think that'll show up again in this scenario. And, I think senior night will also have a big effect in this one. I think Armando Baycott, you know, he, he had that par, that portion uh, in the middle of the season where he was really playing well these last few games. Uh, he sort of regressed to the mean a little bit, back to what we saw from him at times earlier in the season where he hasn't gotten the ball nearly as much, and it's resulted in quieter nights offensively. But I think this will be one of those nights where Carolina – We'll realize we have to get the ball inside. There's a t- This is a team for Notre Dame that does not have the size inside to handle Armando Baycott. Um, and I also think that, you know, this this is going to be one of the better performances from Carolina 
on the defensive end of the floor, in part because Notre Dame is not that good of an offensive team. But I also think that you'll see uh, those big guys protecting inside, especially Armando Baycott. I think that that'll be the area you'll see the effort show up in the most. Um, but I think just as a whole, this team's going to have a hunger to go out with a really strong performance in their final home game of the regular season and give them some momentum as they get ready to face their toughest test of the season on the road at Duke this coming Saturday. Yep, I'm with you. I, I think Carolina plays well. I think they play probably the way I thought they were going to play on Saturday. I think RJ and Armando and even Cormac and those guys will be motivated to make sure they go out with – uh, you know, a win at home and what for many people will be their, their final home game and for some could be their final home game. And I think Carolina knows what's on the line here. And, and you want to at least have a, a share of the ACC regular season title wrapped up going into the regular season finale at Duke. Um, just because you know it's 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 hard to sweep them. It's hard to win that it's hard to win in that environment. So you at least, you at least like to have a share of it, you know, in your back pocket. Um, and so I think Carolina wins, and I think they get their most comfortable ACC margin of the season as I think they beat Notre Dame on Tuesday night. Well, no matter what happens, we'll have you covered heeltoughblog.com where um, you can go and, and read about the win over NC State from over the weekend if you want to. Um, I'll be back getting you ready for the Notre Dame game um, as I continue to take you through the basketball season the scouting combine has come and gone in Indianapolis. Anthony has you covered on everything you need to know about all the Carolina guys that were in action um, over the during the week up in Indy. Later, we'll be getting you ready for Carolina's Pro Day. And believe it or not, uh, spring ball is right around the corner. So make sure you visit our website every single day, HeelToughBlog.com, for the latest Carolina basketball, Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. It's March, so the shows are bigger and better than ever. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any of our coverage through the remainder of the regular season, the ACC tournament, and the upcoming NCAA tournament. Well, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Uh, I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.